some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. And remember to follow us on social media. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. You can watch us live on YouTube. You might be doing so right now. You could also catch all our previous shows on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you get your media. Remember to like, subscribe, tell a friend or two, and remember to chime in in the comments if we've missed anything, any burning questions for either of us uh like what's your least favorite Lacroix flavor mine's limoncello which is just dog shit whoever invented it just deserves to be shot in the street uh hot take number one ross we have a lot to get to on the show today we'll be talking about the bears at length as we we're counting down the days towards the draft and the combine is underway we got the big uglies going and the edge guys going linebackers they're all working out and doing the 40 and I know Ross loves a good combine. We'll talk at length about um, potential, you know, the, the potential for trading that number one pick for the bears, what Ryan Poles had to say and Matt Eberflus as they were talking to NFL network today, we're talking about spring training and baseball and all the, the unusual new rules, but hopefully changing the game for the better that Rob Manfred and, and company have rolled out. Uh, we'll be talking about basketball, and then with in honor of Creed releasing this weekend. Is it tomorrow? Yeah, it's tomorrow, yeah, right? Yeah, technically midnight yeah. tonight. If you're uh, if you're young and you can stay up, I, yeah, some people will be doing that. <laughs> Anyways, with that releasing uh, another installment of you would say the Rocky franchise, but we're talking top five sports movies to cap the show. So, how you feeling, Ross? What's uh, good? I'm good. I'm good. We're ready to kind of hunker down a little bit. You know, we got to get that one last snow out of the year before we move forward to the spring. We call this in Chicago winter part two. Uh, so, you get a little teasing this week over the 50 degree weather, and then boom, we'll get like seven inches of snow tomorrow. And hopefully, this will be the last little bit of snow that we'll see for uh, for for this season, and we can move forward to spring. So. Hopefully everybody stays safe over the weekend. Stock up, uh, tip your 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 delivery drivers, your your Uber drivers, and st- your stuff like that. If you're going to order food and, and whatnot, take care of those people yeah. and uh, be safe. It's been a mild winter though. It has been a mild winter. Yes. Been a mild. Yeah. Yes. Well, without further ado, Ross, let's get into it. Let's talk bears. Let's go. Combine is underway, and we just saw. Uh, I'm not even going to bother pronouncing the Northwestern kids, the defensive lineman running like a four, five, 40, one of the fastest times for a D lineman. But uh, we're seeing everything around the, this edge class is, is being hyped up, especially now with uh, how many prospects there are and, and headlined by Anderson. And, and there's so many other good ones out there, but we're seeing them at the combine and all their workouts. But even before talking about those prospects and, and guys that the bears would have their eyes on potentially a lot of the consensus top pick for the bears being Jalen Carter from Georgia. we got to talk about this was he was arrested on charges of reckless driving and racing uh, for that incident, uh, you know, a little, a, in the off season with that, um, with the, another Georgia staffer who unfortunately mm-hmm. was killed behind the wheel. And so he posted and they said he, he fully, fully and the teammate. Yeah, exactly. In that, in that other car, he quote, fully wanted to be quote, fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing. So the question is Ross and you know, this, this obviously is, it leads into another sort of conversation. We know what we can, he can do on the field and, and all these scouts and coaches and people around college football and, and the NFL 
know that he can get there to the next level and uh, is a game wrecker of sorts. But the question is for the Bears and many of the teams in need of a guy of, of Jalen Carter's strengths is, did this hurt his draft stock? And uh, I'll turn it to you first to, to kind of chime in. Yeah, I mean, you know, first to say two people lost their lives here. And I, I think that sometimes that this gets lost in the shuffle of this conversation and the conversation that has been uh, had over the last couple of days. So, you know, rest in peace to the young lady, the staffer. She was only 21 years old. And the, the young man, um, Jalen's teammate, um, Nolan Smith, also his teammate, who had an amazing, amazing 40 time in this draft. Um, had very eloquent words yesterday at the combine about losing a teammate in this uh, in this tragic car crash. Now, as we address the situation, right, I think that you know Jalen Carter's draft stock obviously took a hit for multiple reasons. First thing is the incident, right? He was a young man. There's possibly alcohol involved. They did some drag racing. There was a crash. A couple of people lost their life. Um, but the fact that he was behind the wheel in, in doing that and also you know, potentially alcohol involved is one thing. The second thing is he left the scene. He, he left the scene, presumably, we don't know. This is all alleged at this point. You know, he was probably intoxicated, didn't want to be caught, you know, at the scene intoxicated. And he left the scene. And, you know, a third part of it is he pretty much kept it quiet for the last couple of weeks. You know, this was after the national championship game. This was the, the night of the national championship game, I believe. Um, so we're about a month removed, you know, more than a month. We're almost two months removed from that entire situation, and this now comes out. That that's three big red flags right there, right? And, and so, um, you know, you you put all that in a vacuum, and you say, you know, yes, teams should be concerned uh, about your character issues when you have three big flags, uh, you know, re revolving that incident. He is being charged with two misdemeanors right now. Um, you know, he very well could have been charged with some kind of vehicular manslaughter. Um, but, you know, for luckily for him, he looks like he's going to be able to uh, to avoid that. Um, you know, he's only 21 years old. Right. He's a young man. I hope and pray that for his sake that he can learn from this mistake and that he can go forward and be a better citizen. And, and those two lives were not lost in vain. And he can better himself going forward, right? That's my thoughts as a as a human being, as a grown man who also made stupid mistakes 20 years ago when I was 21 years old, and also as a father. And I look at a young man and I see kind of what he's going through and the pain he has to go through right now for that. The second part of it, as it relates to football, right? And I think specifically with the Bears. And I think right now the Bears were realistically probably looking to draft him around the top four range. And I think right now for the moment that pro this probably takes him off their board, um, at least in the top five to top 10. I personally think it takes them. I think it takes him off their board completely because we know this franchise led by the matriarch, Virginia McCaskey and, you know, the kids, the, the McCaskies, they usually have a hard stop on these kind of things and they want high character footballs and football players in their program. Um, I think back to Ray McDonald, who they kind of took a chance on him beginning of the Ryan Pace era, era, excuse me, beginning of the Vic Fangio era. He has some transgressions. He has more transgressions with the Bears. They promptly let him go. I even think fat back further than that, Tank Johnson. Tank Johnson, you know, as we all remember, didn't play in the Super Bowl, right? You know about the guns thing and stuff like that. I just think at this point in time, the Bears specifically are done with those kind of players on their football team. And I don't see him on the on the board. Now, his agent is Drew Rosenhaus. His agent has a, a lot of, of, of work to do. I'm talking about Jalen Carter's agent is Drew Rosenhaus. He's got a lot of work to do. Jalen has to be as open and honest as possible in these interviews. And he cannot lie anymore about what happened that night and anything about the situation within the scope of what his lawyers and police and stuff allow him to say. But do I think he deserves a second chance? 100%. Do I think he made a mistake? 100%. Do I see the Chicago Bears drafting Jalen Carter as we stand today, March 2nd? I think he is completely off their boards unless something drastic changes within the next couple of days to a couple of weeks. That's huge. And, and you said a lot about the situation. I'll speak to the character right now uh, to, to lead off. Um, I take on this and, and he is 21, right? And 
And what's unfortunate is that he was warned, and I was just reading about this, was there was body cam footage, police body cam footage released uh, yesterday mm -hmm. when he received a warning from police when he was driving 89 and a 45 mile per hour speed limit zone. And, and, and again, th this is pretty serious when law enforcement gets involved like that. And we know that, um, that this again, he released that 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 statement that I'm sure Rosenhaus had something to do with, where he wanted to be fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing. But um, but it doesn't take away from the fact that he could face, you know, I, I believe it's a maximum of, of 12 months in a prison if he gets convicted. Yeah. And I'm sure that they'll probably do everything, knowing the NFL, knowing Rosenhaus and and Carter's team, knowing that he um, could be a, a, in the top five of the draft. They'll try to sweep it under the rug and, and slap a fine on him, something like that, and and they'll get away with it. Now, with the, the character issues, they, and I know Nomad, he always chimes in, he he spoke that young men like this deserve second chances, and I'm all for that. And we've talked about Jalen Carter, you know, how Mel Kuyper may have dragged his name in, through the mud wrongfully, and we know that he's still maturing. When you are 21 year, years old, you, you and I could only imagine what he's going through, what his mindset is. It, it speaks a lot with his character um, to go back to the combine, right? So, you know, whatever happens now, it's it's very early on. This is, is still breaking. We're figuring out what um, his punishment will ultimately be. But her, for him to fall off the Bears draft boards, and, and you talked about the, the past transgression for Bears players, just look at the Bears last offseason and, and guys like, I think it was Byron Pringle or one of the one of the scrub wide receivers getting pulled over, his drunk driving, things like that. So it can happen. You know, it just goes back to these guys should not be able to drive themselves, I feel like, and – and when alcohol is involved, involved, and we know the situation with the, uh, I'm forgetting the Raiders receiver who, who, uh, Henry Ruggs. who ultimately killed someone with his car and yeah. manslaughter and, and ruined his career. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, a, a little bit of a different situation. But, you know, to your point about him falling off the, the Bears draft board, with how deep this edge class is and the Bears looking to get the best player available, it does make a lot of sense to say, we're going to move on from Carter at this point, but it would not also surprise me if he does have these great workouts with, with the bears for sure. And passes all of these um, physical requirements. And, and if this does get swept under the rug, then who's to say um, in the draft, he might jump right back up there. It could really impress them, especially we'll see as we talk about is uh, in the next subject here, where the bears will be sitting if they should be trading that number one overall pick. So let's switch focus to that. And mm -hmm. in principle, I know, I know Ross, um, we're, we're both pretty convinced that this number one pick will be traded away. It's just a matter of what the hall is going to be and who it's going to be a trade with. And mm -hmm. really it's in principle spoken agreement. I think you said kind of the over under if, if there will be an agreement in place, the question is by, March 13th, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah. the reason why so, I put that out there, yeah, I was going to say, you know, the reason why I put that out there, Evan, is because we saw Ryan Poles yesterday talk to the media and he specifically said when asked about this question, you know, there are, you know, when would you think about trading this pick? And he said, there are going to be plenty of scenarios on the board where I can trade this pick for draft picks and veteran football players. And he said, I would like to do that sooner than later, particularly because March 13th is when free agency starts. So if he gets a couple of veteran free agent, uh, veteran players, excuse me, back in a trade, then he does not need to address that in the draft. I'm thinking about one team in particular that comes to mind uh, for this exact situation that we can kind of talk about a little bit. But, um, and, and so that's why I set the, the, the date at, at March 13th. It would be the soonest a first overall pick has been traded. But I think if a guy is looking at getting veteran players back um, in, in a trade, then you have to set that over-under date right at the day of uh, when free agency starts. Yeah, I get that completely, especially with that deadline. And in principle, again, I think spoken agreement, whatever you want to call it, the Bears will be ready to deal that number one pick to another team by that time. Will the team announce it? I don't think so. What do you say, Ross? Yeah, I mean, it depends. So, I mean, here's here's what comes to my mind, right? As soon as he said that yesterday, I, I think of one team in particular, and I think it's the Carolina Panthers. I, I think the Carolina Panthers' uh, new head coach is Frank Wright. Frank Wright is is tired of retread players, uh, of retread quarterbacks, excuse me. 
And I think they desperately want a, uh, a, a quarterback in that situation. I think, uh, you know, Jake Tepper is, is their, is their owner and uh, he's a head fungi guy. He, he's a, uh, he's a guy that's a mover and shaker in his world. And I think he wants to make a big splash. What better way to trade up for the first overall pick and in my eyes, I think that the Carolina Panthers can trade their pick. I think they're at number nine overall. Uh, don't quote me on that. Exactly. I, I know Dan can, uh, can do some, uh, some checking on that for us. Um, but they're, they're somewhere around ninth overall. So in my mind, I think that the Panthers can put that pick on the table. I think they can potentially put a, um, a, a second-round pick this year or maybe a future um, first-round pick next year. And I think the veteran football player that could come back is Brian Burns, who's a 25-year-old, outstanding edge rusher, um, but he needs to get paid really soon. And I don't know if he fits the Carolina Panthers' timeline. The Bears have a ton of cap space. And they would have no problem giving him a hundred million dollar contract. And then you solve two needs, right? You got your young edge rusher and Brian Burns. Thank you for that. He, they are the number nine pick. Um, you got your young edge rusher and Brian Burns that you sold, you know, covet. He is a, an elite player that you already know is damn good. You've got the money to pay him. And then you drop back to number nine and you can address offensive tackle at that position or you can address wide receiver at that position and you can still have a couple more picks. And I think that's a, a very real scenario that's on the table. And if that is on the table, I think that happens um, right before free agency starts. That's interesting. I, I, I could see that certainly, but I just think in my bones, I feel it that they, they would not be announcing anything by free agency start. Um, you know, as far as prospects go, Ross, if this does not happen, if it's, you know, say a trade with the Colts and, and trading back out of that number one pick and, and there's the chance that they trade with a couple teams to, you know, amass more picks, but still stay in the top 10. What do you think in edge wise? And we know the combines going on right now. We know Will Anderson is still going to be really high on the bears, um, draft board, but you know, obviously there's other guys out there that are working out as we speak, like Tyree Wilson. Uh, everybody's loving Lucas Van Ness, whose nickname is Hercules, and he certainly looks like it from Iowa. Loving him. Uh, what, what else? Yeah, I think right now, if we're looking at the Bears' big board, I think Jalen Carter obviously has dropped down quite a bit, and I think Will Anderson sits atop their big board right now. He just ran their 40 uh, time right in four to me. He ran about a 4.69 on his uh, first run. We'll see what he does on the second run. This kid's going to test off the charts. He's got long arms. He's, he's an absolute freak of an athlete, um, and he's got stats to back it up, and he comes from a pedigree program like, uh, like Alabama where we know they pump out amazing defensive football players right and then Tyree Wilson um you know he, he's got a little bit of a foot injury that he's still dealing with right now but he'll be okay in a couple weeks so he's not going to test this weekend um but he's definitely going to sit down with the Bears he's going to interview with them he's going to talk with them and then they'll be at his pro day and personal workouts and stuff like that and those two guys right now are sitting at the top of the of the Bears big board um with the Jalen Carter news and then you you hit it on the on the head the you know the young man from Purdue, he's got to be rising. He he looks like a Bears football player, right? You know Lucas Van Ness. He is a massive, massive uh, human being. And I know a lot of people are, are thought about kicking him inside. But I think that power that he has, you want to keep that kind of talent outside. But he is just a mammoth of a, of a football player, and uh, you know he can really cause some issues. But we keep talking about defense, and I think what the Jalen Carter situation does is it potentially drops the Bears down even further and to get an even bigger haul and say, you know what, we don't even have to address defense right now. And I think a, uh, a wide receiver is a very realistic possibility. I heard um, mm -hmm. I, I heard Matt Eberflus talk yesterday, and he brought up specifically the wide receiver position, and he brought up specifically the remaining four teams that were in the playoffs this year all had dominant number one wide receivers. And he looks at his roster, and he doesn't see that on his roster. He knows that. And he says, we need a game changer at that position. Well, guess what? Quentin Johnson is probably going to be a game changer at that position. He's going to test, you know, absolutely off the charts, right? Um, you know, Jordan Addison might be that guy. You know, Jackson Smith Enigma, who is a Justin Fields favorite of the Iowa State guy, is going to be there. And then a favorite of mine is, is Zay Flowers from Boston College. I'm a huge Zay Flowers fan. I think that he's going to be a superstar in this league. So the Bears could drop even further in the first round, get a massive haul 
to fill out their roster and still take one of these stud wide receivers. There's still a lot on the board here and a lot to figure out. Yeah, not sure if they're obviously getting a Quentin Johnson or, or Jordan Addison or even Jackson uh, Smith and Jigba unless you're really reaching or, you know, again, it could all shake out where maybe the Bears get a couple picks in that first round. If I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, um, but they, there's no question that offensively they have a lot of needs as well. So at this point, do you, you think, Ross, with the Colts and everything that's been – said by their leadership right now too or the and and supposedly tipping their their hand and trying to trade up to number one and saying you don't necessarily need to trade up to get a bryce young uh like that do you think they're still in play with the bears to potentially move up and and get that number one pick 100 percent, because i know chris ballard is 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 playing poker right now and, he, and he's trying to to not show that he uh you know what what, what cars he has when, when the flop shows up but um, as long as his owner is Jim Mersey, uh, I don't believe anything that Chris Ballard says. I think Jim Mersey runs that show and he's going to tell you if you want to, if you, if they want to go up and get the first overall pick, that is Jim Mersey's call. I do think that it is still very much on the table that the Houston Texans just, just go ahead and go up to that. And the Bears are content with being a number, a number two, which is okay, right? Because a possibility, I don't think this has been discussed enough, is the Bears and the Texans just flip-flop right one and two and then maybe what the texans have to do as a little bit of a premium is they have to give up that 12th overall pick and then maybe the bears will kick back like a third round pick and i think that's kind of a fair trade-off for both teams is and then all of a sudden you can get your will anderson your stud you know offensive uh you know edge player and then around 12th overall you can look at that wide receiver or that offensive tackle like Peter Skaronski from from Northwestern. So there's a lot out there. Um I don't envy Ryan Poles in this situation because he has to sift through a lot of uh a lot of the bullshit. He has to sift through a lot of off the sift through a lot of offers and he has to make a franchise uh changing position uh, uh I'm sorry, yeah, franchise uh changing move here. So there there's a lot out there, but I think that the Texans and the Colts are very much in play. But as we know, every year there's a dark horse, right? We didn't know that one year that the 49ers were going to trade all the way up to, to go get Trey Lance and the Chiefs were able to move up to get Pat Mahomes. We didn't even know the Bears were going to move up to get Mitchell Trubisky. So, you know, there feels like there is a Panthers dark horse out there. There is certainly a Raiders dark horse out there. They kind of came out this week and said, we're not really interested in Aaron Rodgers. That might be smokescreen. Um, and then there's a Falcons um uh, team out there as well that I think that uh, could potentially move up to to the Bears at first overall. Yeah, and we don't really know. I think Brian Poles and, and uh, Matt Aberflus are obviously not trying to tip their hand at this point, even though they're talking to media and, and figuring it out themselves because uh, there's so many possibilities out there. But um, I know Ryan Poles said, quote, I don't think you can get enough face-to-face time getting to know them, what they're about, some of the things that they've gone through in, them, in both their life and football life to show that they have the resilience to play in this league, talking about prospects at the Combine and beyond, um, especially with whatever pick they happen to get in that first round if, they, if, it, uh, if it shakes out like that. And what was interesting was them talking about, too, talking about a competitive edge was to see who has the competitive edge, certain prospects having them play games like putt-putt or, or mini-golf mm-hmm. And Ross, my question to you, of course, is which would you rather play? Which do you think you could beat me in handily? Yeah, they were doing like uh, putt putt or, or, or darts, right? Um, I, I'm I'm certainly more of a putt putt guy. I, I I love miniature golf. Um, I love miniature golf more than like bowling or playing pool. So that that would be my my bet. I think I could beat you in that. Oh, darts uh, darts it gets a little tricky especially after you've had a couple beers a couple shots that board you start doing the one eye thing you don't know what the hell's going on i'm not really a big fan of darts um but putt putt all day he's going putt putt yeah. i went on a dart streak last month for for a hot second where i got pretty good but uh but mini golf it, it could also could also go either way we talked about the bears at length ross and uh and obviously, it's, there's a lot to look forward to with the combine happening right now and into this weekend in Indy. Um, but with the the top quarterback prospects, is C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and 
we know that um, will leave it will uh, leave us Levi's whatever uh, he's uh, also starting to get up there um, in the conversation for one of those top picks. But has there been any movement for you? Do you, th- you think you have any more predictions going into the combine and, and beyond? No, I mean, I, I'm excited to see the running backs this weekend because I think it's a very deep running back class. And I think that the Bears could also be in the market for a running back in this draft. Um, I think the next oh, yeah. big story of this of this combine weekend is uh, what the hell is Bryce Young going to gonna weigh? So, I mean, you've obviously <laughs> stood next to me many times, right? Um, yep. I am 5'10", 185 pounds. I am theoretically the size of Bryce Young. Do you think that I could stand up in uh, in an NFL pocket and take a beating back there, uh, you know, dropping back 30 to 40 times a game? I think because you could. You think so? <laughs> I think so. We're both built about the same way. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're a little I mean, taller, you look than, at- you're taller than me, though. Yeah, look at C.J. Stroud. He's got a little more weight than both of us, but about the same height. Yeah, doing fine for himself. I'm just I, I look at a guy like Bryce Young, and God bless him. I, I wish him nothing. Can't but move the best. like Bryce Young. That's true. Yep, that's true. But I, I wish him nothing but the the best. But I see a guy that is basically the same height and the same weight as me, and I start to get super worried about how he's going to be able to hold up uh, long term in the NFL. And, and his weight this weekend is going to be all the talk in the world. I can guarantee you, he's going to spend the next 48 hours chugging as much water as he can to try and get that weight as close to 200 pounds as possible. And he'll he'll piss it all out on Sunday and Monday. And I think his real weight is going to be anywhere between 185 and 190, which is slight. That's that's, we've never seen a quarterback that small before. You know, we we've seen guys that short. Russell Wilson is that short. So is Kyler. uh, So is Kyler Murray. But those guys are 200 pounds plus. They're, they're very, they're, they're very stocky guys. Uh, especially in their lower body. And, and we've seen already pictures and stuff from Bryce Young this weekend. He looks all of 185, 190 pounds. So we're going to see if that scares teams or not, um, or if that still keeps them at the, uh, at the first quarter, at, at the first quarterback taken in this draft. Well, even the height's an issue, right? There's, there's talk that he might be under six feet. And that's usually, I feel like a death sentence for, for these quarterbacks out there, but but coming from that winning program, it says a lot. And and I think you're right on with him trying to, to beef up his, his weight right there. I just looked at a comp like Lamar Jackson is 6'2 and, and 212 and, and running all over the place. But these these guys who are, are smaller, I mean, you you better be able to run fast. Otherwise, these that first year is going to be really tough for you. If you uh, go to Houston, you're going to take your licks. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else from the combine you're looking forward to this weekend? Any, and you think any of these records going to be broken? Anything like that? I don't think so. I don't think we have any of those speed demons that we've seen in the past. Um, and 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 quite frankly, those guys don't really do well at the next level, right? I mean, you, you still hold on to John True. Ross stock from a couple of years ago, the the Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver that broke all the records and got his own shoes and stuff like that, right? I mean, we've seen now in the NFL like the the fastest wide receivers don't mean that they're the best wide receivers, so. I think the Rutgers are going to be able to hold up this this one. Um, you're just looking at the the uh, the unique athletes and the guys that are going to be able to test well, and uh, and I think it's more uh, about the, the the fodder and stuff like that too, and and, and you know how these guys are going to um, you, you know how these guys are going to perform in front of teams uh, between the ears in the classroom and stuff like that. So um, you know I know Doug Flutie's up there. It's a it's a much different game from when Doug played. These guys are bigger, stronger, faster than ever. And um, they don't they don't hit like uh, like they they don't hit like Doug hit, you know, back in the day in terms of the legal hits. They do protect the quarterback more, but uh, it's a different kind of athlete. When you got Will Anderson coming down at you, who's in your exact draft, uh, former teammate Bryce Young, better better pray because <laughs> he is he's slight. Yeah. Um, but I, I enjoy it. I, I, I'm just happy that the, the offseason is here and uh, we can get through this combine. And then hopefully from there, you know, we're we're you know, just about two weeks away from the, uh, from free agency. And that's when things really, really get interesting. And so we're, we're kicking in the high, high gear. Obviously the NFL is a year round sport at this point. And uh, it's just happy to see it all unfold. Yeah, no question. Talking about uh, guys with records at the combine. I think he had the, the longest broad jump was Byron Jones. Yeah, and he, he was talking about uh, a sort of cautionary tale for all these young guys. He said, "Quote: Much has changed in eight years. Today, I can't run or jump because of my injuries sustained playing this game. Do not take the pills they give you. Do not take the injections they give you. 
if you absolutely must consult an outside doctor to learn the long-term implications. Mm -hmm. It was an honor and privilege to play in the NFL, but it came at a regrettable cost. I did not foresee, in my opinion, no amount of professional success or financial gain is worth avoidable chronic pain and disabilities. Godspeed to the draft class of 2023. That's well said, though, man. You know what you're getting into, these young men. Yeah, it gets, uh, it gets morbid, right? He was one of the best athletes that we've ever seen come out in the NFL draft, and for it to be uh, done that quickly and then him to be in pain and say he can't do the things that he used to do just you know a couple of years ago, it shows you the, the, uh, the, 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 the behind-the-curtain stuff of this league, right? And 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 we love it and we right. love the sports and some money maker and stuff like that. But these guys go through a lot of pain and trials and tribulations just to get on the field week after week. And kind of like you said, there's a lot of dirty stuff behind the scenes that players agree to in the moment and then you know regret uh, at the end of it. And so you just wish, you know, you you have to remember all these guys are human beings and uh you wish them best nothing but the best in their quality of health going forward. I just saw also yesterday the uh his name is escaping me right now, but the very first uh, black um, ex-player to do the the sideline stuff. Um, he just got diagnosed with CTE, you know, and, and and so that was kind of things are just like it hurts, man. It hurts to see, and and that's why it's a it's a tough game. And you hope that these guys can get out with uh with some semblance of uh, of quality of health. Absolutely, that's why you're seeing so many guys retiring like right at thirty at this sure. point too, regardless sure. of position, whether it be. Uh, linebacker, running back, because they're, you know, like Byron Jones. The, the game takes its toll, even in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Let's pivot over to spring training, Ross. Baseball's back, at least in sunny Arizona. I'd like to go to, to spring training. Have you been before? I've never been before. It's been on my list. I, you know, something I thought about doing, you know, the the World Baseball Classic is coming up, and uh, I, I, I proudly represent uh, Team Puerto Rico and uh, I, I was able to do that once in Puerto Rico. That's a lot of fun. And so they've got some games this year throughout the world. That that would be a fun game, too, is see like a like a USA versus Dominican Republic game or something like that, right? All the all the all-stars. I, I love when they do the World Baseball Classic. I wish they did it more frequently because it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So spring training going on right now. I, I would like to go to Arizona just because it looks like such a great party and, and a nice mm-hmm. excuse to get away from from the Midwest for a little while, but, uh, you know, spring training at this point is, is what it is. But now the the big storyline is to speed up the game and and to improve the game, to improve the product uh, that Rob Manfred, uh, the MLB commissioner is putting out there. You're instituting the pitch clock is probably the the biggest change right now. The biggest adjust adjustment um, where it's 15 seconds if there's no one on base, 20 seconds mm-hmm. if there are uh, runners on base. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, that's that's been a long time coming when you are the only North American professional sport that hasn't had a clock and has dragged on and, and on, and all these players have, have taken their sweet-ass time for as long as we can remember, uh, whether it be pitchers or, or hitters or anything like this where now they're trying to speed it up and maybe this goes back to the um i don't know the whole appeal of baseball and 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 the viewership it, it all comes back to ratings and making money with the sport too but it has been a long time coming but even more interesting for this season is the MLB you know banning extreme defensive shifts making the bases bigger so in 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 theory encouraging players to steal bases more because you take about four and a half inches between the bases uh, it's that sh- that much shorter so they have you know, in theory can get there faster that's a huge adjustment for players that were able to take their time and if you're not in the batter's box by eight seconds left in the pitch clock it's an automatic strike which we saw earlier you know that uh, braves game where it was braces loaded and and then just really took the the whole um you know any dra- drama out of it really and then the pitcher's getting charged a ball if the clock expires before they throw a pitch. They're even limiting pickoff attempts to three. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with the pitch count. How do you think it's going in an interview for it, Ross? I, I'm completely for it. I mean, it's about time that baseball brought this sport into the into the you know 21st century, right? So, I mean, it you know all these rules are going to shave off about 20 to 30 minutes off a baseball game, and sometimes you get three three and a half hour baseball games. If you can cut that thing down to two and a half hours, that's perfect. I mean, now you're, you're coming in about the average time of an NBA game, which is essentially what you're doing. You're trying to appeal to a younger crowd. But it's like 
nobody has time to watch a baseball game that starts at 7 p.m. and stay up until 10:30 at night to you know during the week to watch a game. I want to watch this thing and, and let's get it done by 9:30. I love it. I was I would you know there's a um, Twitter account called Pitch Ninja, and they did a side by side. They did a Zach Greinke. He he threw two pitches. It was a playoff game. He throws two pitches and did the side-by-side comparison, and they ran last year's entire Kentucky Derby in the time that it took him to throw two effing pitches. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. unacceptable. What are we doing here? Why does, like, who wants to see that? Who wants to see you step in a box, step out of box, grab your nuts, spit, step in again, step out, pitcher steps off the mound, catcher comes out and then all of a sudden three minutes later we like see another pitch it's absolutely insane I, this is i'm a baseball purist i love baseball to the fullest but they had to do these things to bring this game into the 20 into the 21st century and then when you look at the stars of the sport to me most of them are on the west coast shohei Otani, manny machado mookie betts right like a lot of these guys on the west coast and imagine if you're in New York or in Boston or something like that, you can't ever see these guys play because they don't start their games until 10 o'clock at night. And at least now you can maybe see Shohei Otani pitch for like five innings in, 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 a, in, a, in an hour and 15 minutes, something like that. And you can at least see him play, and that's going to drum up some more interest for some of these stars in the league. So I love it. I, I, I think it's going to suck for the beer vendors at the games because they're going to they're going to get about 30 to 45 minutes less of beer sales, but it's absolutely necessary if we're trying to uh, get more people to watch this game. And it's going to force you to like, you know, for me, I was, I always call baseball, um, you know, folding clothes, you know, sport or, or like scrolling through like Instagram sport. And I think now it's going to force you to really pay attention more because these pitches are becoming fast and furious and the ball's going to be put in play. There's yeah. no shift to take away hits, right? And the guys going to be stealing more bases. And there's going to be more action. And this is that, this is exactly what we want. And I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually looking forward to watching baseball this year. Not only the White Sox, as I'm a huge fan of the White Sox, but just more baseball games in general and see, uh, and see more of the sport now that I don't have to commit three, three and a half hours to a game. It picks up the pace significantly. Um, and, and what do you think about those other rule changes? I, I think, you know, certainly we can agree on the the pitch clock being a long time coming, you know, you know, compared to a shot clock, compared to uh, the play clock for football, whatever. Um, but, I, you know, it's it's interesting that that enlarging the bases by about three inches or whatever to encourage stealing and, and, uh, and then the defensive shifts. I know that you can't challenge um, – you can't challenge the play clock, but you can challenge right. the shift rule. Right. But yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's a lot of rules to to roll out at one time. It was necessary. It had to be done. I think it's going to be. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of upset players the first month of the season. But guess what? They'll they'll adjust. They'll they'll get on accordingly. And I think by the time we hit June, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think people are going to be really enjoying it. And um, I think it's going to bring people out more to the ballparks, knowing that they can kind of get in and out at a, in an orderly fashion. And uh, I can't wait to see it. I, I think it's going to improve the sport. I can't wait to watch the product. I'm like, you know, I, I was a big fan of watching games on Apple TV last year. I thought it looked amazing. I thought they had cool graphics and stuff like that. This is what you have to do. The, the sport should be appealing to kids that are scrolling through TikTok all day and, and on Instagram and, and, you know, play games on iPads and stuff like that. You've got to start to bring down the median age of the fan of your sport. And I started watching baseball and I was like six, seven years old. My son's six right now. He'll be seven this year. He'll give a shit about baseball. You know, he plays right. T-ball. He really enjoys T-ball. He doesn't know who Mike Trout is or anybody like that. And I think hopefully this will get him to, to be more interested in the game uh, going forward. So I'm all in. The shorter, the better. Get in, get out. That's what ultimately is going to appeal to not only these younger generations, but but folks that want to get the most out of their day. So as you let off the conversation with Ross, how you you can trim 20, 20-ish minutes, maybe more, off a game like that. I mean, the beer vendors, it, it sucks, but people start drinking faster, too. Who knows? That's true. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. NASCAR uh, and beers. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, unfortunately, the bad news for, for the Blackhawks is you see the, the Patrick Kane jersey behind yes. me. I'm, I'm off to the game tonight where there will be no Patrick Kane. It's a fucking fire sale with the Blackhawks. But uh, but sadly, the 
the caner, the, uh, the, the chosen one for the Blackhawks who brought them back out of anonymity is uh, unfortunately gone to the Rangers. And all you can say is uh, thank you. And it's going to be quite a scene tonight at the United center as they're, they're doing a tribute. I'm helping roll out a banner with some friends. Uh, that says, oh, nice. thank you. 88. That'll be cool. So look for me, but what can you say about his accomplishments? And uh, obviously three Stanley cups stands out in that team uh, that has uh, between him and Taves and, and the rest of those squads in the mid 2010s where they were so dominant and delivered performance after performance. And, you know, at, at the same time where early in his career, we had Derek Rose and they're, they're both my age. They're 34, 35 right now. Mm-hmm. And just at the prime of their, their careers and what, what Kane was able to do on the ice, they called him showtime for a reason because he was just electric and, I can remember just so many times him just juking out goalies and, and made me that much more interested in hockey. Uh, it helped when the Blackhawks are good and being able to make those three Stanley Cup runs. But um, what an incredible athlete. And certainly when you think about his legacy in Chicago sports, it's a fickle sports town. He's arguably on that Mount Rushmore between, you, you know, him and, and Jordan, you might put Walter Payton and, and uh, you know, either a, a cover, a white Sox player up there. It's, it's very tough to say, but certainly you'd have to say probably the best Blackhawk of all time, but uh, uh, kudos to him on a great career. And it sucks that the Blackhawks had to trade him for picks is the way they thought they did, but it's, mm-hmm. It's a sign of the abyss uh, now and, and having to rebuild where Taves is the only one now and he's injured. So that's very mm-hmm. tough. But but thank you to 88 for sure. It's uh, it was quite a ride that he took us on. And now he plays for fucking New York. Terrible. Mm. Yeah, it, it was an amazing ride. I mean, listen, I, I think we can all remember those, those cups runs back, you know, you know, close to sure. 10 years ago is when it started or, or over 10 years ago is when it started. And he really, you know, Chicago, let's be honest, Chicago did not care about hockey until Kane, Taves, and Keith and Seabrook and those guys came along and, and they ushered in. They made hockey cool and fun and exciting in Chicago. The bars were rocking on Madison Street and all throughout Chicago well into the summertime as they made those long Stanley Cup runs. And um, it was fun. I, and I agree with you. You know, it, it's probably him and like Stan Usual that are, that are um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Stan, uh, one of the stands are, are, are one of the, uh, you know, the best Blackhawks of all time. And for me, um, within the last like 20 to 25 years, it's like Kane and Taves and like Derrick Rose are, are arguably and, and probably like Chris Bryant or something like that are one of the most popular athletes in, in Chicago land over the last, you know, 15 to 20 years. And so, um, you know, thank you to him. I, I'll never forget watching that goal live, the first Stanley Cup win, right, where we didn't even know that it went in and he started celebrating before anybody yeah. else. And, and you know, it, it was it was absolutely awesome. So, you know, Thank you for him. I'm pretty sure that he will come back to the Blackhawks in some capacity uh, sooner than later. Um, but, you know, at the same time of the day, this is what happens in sports, right? It, it, nothing lasts forever. This is a business. The Blackhawks have inevitably had to hit the reset button. And let's hope that, you know, for the for the fans' sake and, and for the team, that they can uh, get back on top by retooling through the draft and getting prospects and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it starts with obviously finishing off this tank job and getting as close to a number one pick as possible this season uh, so they can get some young talent in there and reset this whole thing. Because, unfortunately, in sports, you know, dynasties don't last forever, right? But at least the banners do. Absolutely. And his legacy is is up there at, in the United Center. It's it's solidified there. And it's weird to see him in another jersey. But this happens. and And better to... Get what you can for him now, I feel like, than just hold on to to a guy who doesn't really fit into the mold going forward uh, when you think about rebuilding this franchise and then trying to get back to that success of the 2010. So we wish him wish him all the best. There'll be quite a scene at the, the Madhouse this evening. Yeah, that was an insane against the Flyers, that first Stanley Cup. I remember exactly where I was just to, having beer poured on me at Duffy's. Good times. Yep. And uh, to cap off the show, because i got to run out early, Let's we're going to our – honor of creed our top five sports movies which is an impossible task ross yes. this is such a list ross i know all five of your entries are white men can't jump ross is the number one white men can't jump fan yeah, of, it was, uh, that i know it was what? actually going to be it was actually going to be cool runnings the the jamaican bobsled movie and oh uh, man 
and and Sea Biscuit. Sea <laughs> Biscuit's great. Come on, Sea Biscuit. Yeah, no, no, no. I'll I'll kick this thing off. Um, you Go know, ahead. My number, my number five. Um, I'm a purist in, in, in this day. We just talked about baseball and how beautiful a sport it is and tradition. And, uh, and so I have to put Field of Dreams on the list. Um, it, it's just absolutely awesome. The, you know, you got the Black Sox. You got Ray Liotta in the movie with Kevin, R.I.P. Ray, Ray Liotta, by the way. Kevin Coster, James Earl Jones, and just, you know, the, the, the back and forth. If you're a dad, it hits really close to home to you. It's a perfect dad movie. And, um, you know, shout out to the White Sox, of course, that played the Yankees in that Field of Dreams Park a couple of years ago. And what an amazing moment that was. But um, Field of Dreams is my number five. It is still a classic to me. It's insane, too, alone, how Kevin Costner was just the goat of sports movies for a while there, I feel like. Yep. He was just, yep. just crushing it. Yeah, Bull Durham. Uh, number right? five for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's got some great ones. Uh, Friday Night Lights is number five for me, and you take it back uh, to Texas high school football and Billy Bob Thornton as as the head coach of this, this scrappy team, and and the whole atmosphere around high school football in Texas is just otherworldly. And I remember seeing that with my, my with my high school freshman football team. We all saw mm-hmm. it in theaters, and it was mm-hmm. it was great. And you know, spoiler alert, it's it doesn't have a fairy tale ending with with a lot of these where you go up against these titans of of Texas football, you know, in the eight A championships and, and you get beat, unfortunately, in the championship game. But it had great side stories. Booby Miles, who could who could uh, throw, he could catch, he could paint the fence, he could walk your dog all before the sun sets, as, as his uncle or his dad was saying. And it was right. uh, it was a great cast of young characters. And and Billy Bob, that's one of those underrated vote uh, um, roles for him, I would say, as the head coach. And that's number five for me, Friday Night Lights. That's right. You want to win? Put booby in is what he would say, right? Number four, Free uh, Ross. Your your number five is my number one, actually. So we 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 knocked that right out the park. I love Friday Night Lights, my favorite sports movie of all time. Um, I think it's as realistic as it gets uh, in, in terms of depicting football and college football, and I mean high school football, excuse me, in particular in that kind of old eighties uh, zone in, in Texas. Uh, my number four is a Spike Lee movie, and I think it's a Spike Lee movie that does not get enough credit. It is He Got Game. Um, it is an outstanding performance by Denzel Washington, uh, who um, you know plays a, a, a father who is uh, let out for a couple of days to try and convince his son uh, to to uh, go to the warden's college that he went to. Uh, his son is played by Ray Allen, who was a superstar at the time. Um, little known fact, every other player on Ray Allen's high school team in that movie also went up for that role, the, the NBA players, and they didn't get it. So they ended up being on his team. You got guys like Walter McCarthy on there and, and John Williams and stuff like that. Um, it's just an outstanding movie. I think it's fantastic. I think the last 25, 30 minutes are um, just mind-blowing of a film. And, uh, you know, it's also very loosely based off of, uh, do you know what NBA player? Stefan Marbury who was also a uh, Coney Island legend. And that's what kind of Spike Lee based it on. So that's my number four. That's great. Love that choice there. Number four for me is Hoosiers, keeping in the basketball theme, Gene Hackman and the underdog story and Indiana hoops. Uh, I love Hoosiers. We're running out of time. So go to your number three, Ross. My number three is um, it's Raging Bull. It's Raging Bull. Listen, I got to put a boxing movie on there. got the same. Got to put a Scorsese movie on there. You can't go wrong with Raging Bull. Raging Bull, fantastic. Some of De Niro's best work and uh, incredible with him across Joe Pesci. Great soundtrack and the black and white just felt very appropriate for it. And it, the story of Jake LaMotta is just so crazy and and. Uh, just ups and downs of it. It's it's wild. If you haven't seen it, you, you're losing, man. So that's number three for me as well. What's number two for you, Ross? Number two for me is a Chicago documentary. It's Hoop Dreams. It's one of the best documentaries you've ever seen in your life about two young men from the Chicago area trying to just make it out the hood. If you've never seen Hoop Dreams, please find it. Please stream it. It is absolutely outstanding.
considering docs but number two for me was remember the titans and i, I love the story love obviously the cast led by denzel and there's uh, so many great young actors a young ryan gosling in there and um you know what uh what, it's of course what rewatching the wire avon's in there avon mm-hmm. barksdale um so that's Where really a great soundtrack it's it's very good about narrating the the time that it was in and, and race relations and everything that went into it and uh just a just a great story overall young hayden Pinatier, yep. that's great denzel at his finest too Absolutely. that's number two for me number one for you ross it was we said it already it was your it was your number five it was uh friday night lights so that's my favorite sports movie of all time i love it so much um great cast i love the fact that they didn't win it all at the end it was as realistic as it gets um that dallas carter team that they played at the end still kind of gives gives you nightmares but just an absolutely amazing moment absolutely amazing moment when when booby myers finds out you know in the car with his uncle he can't play football again it's like how can you not tear up at that moment and and feel some something and uh, I just think it's excellent. And it's one of the few movies that actually translated to an amazing TV show. It's probably one of the 10 best TV shows of all time as well. And oddly enough, I never did uh, get into the TV show. That'll probably be on my watch list one of these days soon. But number one for me was Rocky and set off, uh, you know, the Creed Creed franchise wouldn't be here without Rocky. And uh, obviously Stallone set that off and it's such a low budget movie. And I feel like, you know, it hasn't aged well for a lot of people, but the original was super low budget, just Stallone fucking working out and, and just being uh, this underdog boxer going up against Apollo Creed, great soundtrack, the, the true underdog story. What could you, what could you not like about it? One of them and wouldn't uh, one of the best picture. And I think of one best screenplay in that same year. Really great one. But that's a great list from both of us. Absolutely. It is too many, too many to honorable mention too. I mean, the fighters, great, the wrestler, yeah. Yeah. dodgeball, everything in between. We could do a top five sports comedy movies and, and Good. We, could, Good. we could also go on with that. Shout out, shout out my King, Tom Cruise, Jerry Maguire. Absolutely. All right. Jerry Maguire. All right, we shall wrap this up. Thanks to everybody for listening in. Thanks to all the barflies for commenting in the chats. If you missed any of the previous shows or any of this show, you could catch it on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you uh, catch your media. Remember to like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. Remember to we can watch us live on YouTube. Every Thursday at six o'clock as well. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Follow Barroom Network at Barroom Network. Thanks to Mr. Shorty for directing tonight. And and uh, there is a new science fiction later on at nine o'clock. If you want to get into that, for now, we say deuces. Be good to each other out there. So long, everybody. Peace out.